Hey caffeinators, welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Caffeinators, welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe. Uh, we're not as worldwide as Mr. Worldwide, but we're close. <laughs> uh, special shout out to our caffeinators in España. Uh, muchas gracias. Uh, we'd like to thank really all of our caffeinators, um, whether you're in the U.S., North America, or further abroad. We really, really, really appreciate your support of our podcast um, for purchasing our merchandise and for to our patreons thank you so much for your support um we, we genuinely appreciate it uh if you're new to the vet tech cafe head over to vettechcafe.com um all the info about dave and i is there and who we are why we do this you can follow along on instagram facebook linkedin and then we post the videos of our uh, vet tech taproom episodes to our youtube channel so you can follow along like subscribe comment, all that good stuff at any of those. Uh, Dave, how's it going out there? What's new? Uh, it's it's gotten chilly again here um, in, in the high 40s, low 50s. I, I just got back. I can't remember if we talked about me going to Chicago or not. It was cold and snow on the ground. <laughs> um, I, I was saying I was literally there for 24 hours. Like I landed at nine o'clock and uh went to my speaking event that that evening and flew back 10 a.m the next morning so i was <laughs> i was in chicago technically it was aurora uh which i believe is this is probably going to date me with some of our listeners uh i believe that's where wayne campbell is from from wayne's world correct right. okay all right um I, di- I didn't see the uh the the makita's donuts or or, or anything fun out there but um <laughs> If I could have, I, I, I would have gone in there and taken a picture or two, but um, I, I was there for literally 24 hours and flew right back home. Nice. Um, but, but things are good here. Um, trying to get back to it and getting started with the week. How are things yeah. going out there? You a little it's, under the uh, weather still? Yeah, yeah, getting a little bit better, uh, I thought, at least late last week. But it's hot to uh, the last three days. I, I think I looked at my weather station this morning at like 1045, and it was already 87 degrees. I have a tiny been, little violin that I'm playing for yeah, you. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm sure. And, and especially <laughs> our guest from Wisconsin yeah. probably feels the same. Although she just got back from Jamaica, so yeah. more on that later. Um, but it's been really hot and windy and dry here, and I think my allergies are going nuts now. So um, I... I mean, I feel fine, but I, I mean, I don't, maybe I sound different than normal, but I'm sure sneezing like crazy. So hopefully none of those <laughs> make it into this episode. Um, but otherwise good here. I'll cut that um, out. yeah, please do. Um, <laughs> yeah, nothing, uh, nothing really has changed very much. Um, I just want to kind of give a, a heads up to uh, our listeners, um, just in case they hear kind of what we're talking about in the, the intro and maybe like the tam- timestamp is a little off. We're, we're getting a lot better about oh, yeah. being ahead. <laughs> With our recording previously, caffeinators, we used to record 
the upcoming episode like the week of and it worked really well Dave for like three and a half or it four did. years it, did. it just but there was there was stressful times where it was like shoot we don't have anybody lined up or we run into a technical issue and we Scrambling just can't make is it happen stressful, and, and yeah. what have you and now that I have a toddler running around and like just with where life is, I think honestly, I think it's a lot better for our mental health. It, both of it's us. a lot less stressful to do it this it way. It really yeah. is. It really is. So we're usually going to be, um, we're going to, our goal is to be three episodes ahead in terms of what's recorded. But so sometimes this intro, you might think, well, that sounds kind of outdated. It's probably because <laughs> it was recorded. It is outdated. It, yeah, <laughs> it is outdated. Um, you're, you're literally listening from the future or from the past. I don't know. What that is, They're but listening anyway, to us in the past from the future. From the future, mind blown. Anyway, we're, we're going to get um uh the the astrophysicist on. That's going to be one of our next guests. Yeah, yeah, and we'll probably also get some terrible comments for all that. Anyway, yep. Uh, let's fine. let's uh let's let's let's. I digress. Let's dive in here. We have another <laughs> great episode coming to you guys today. Uh, we have Kelly Cronin coming by the Vet Tech Cafe. Um, she we know her. She was in our study group. Uh, for the VTS uh, in emergency and critical care way back in, I guess the group was 2012, 2012 since we all yeah. just recertified in 2023. Um, anyway, she started in veterinary medicine, as many of us do, by volunteering. Uh, she graduated from University of Wisconsin-Madison with a BS in animal sciences, and as she likes to say, a few other degrees that cost too much but equate to underwater <laughs> basket weaving. Her words, not mine. Uh, she became an LVT in Alaska in 01, New Mexico in 06, and Wisconsin in 2016. And she became certified as a professional in human resources in 2010, completed her master's in business administration from Mississippi State in 2012, and became, the, as I mentioned, the VTS Emergency and Critical Care in 2013. Um, she's published. She's speaks regularly. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, she's the CEO of Success Strategies Veterinary Consulting, um, was the director of de novo operations for the Mission Veterinary Partners, and is now the support manager, operations support manager for the Ethos uh, Specialty in ER East Group 2. She's also the organizer of Vet Tech Life CE on the CE events, which just returned to port a couple days ago, so we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, she lives in Milwaukee, as I love the land of beer and brats, um, has, <laughs> is, a, is a woman of many talents and trades in this field. We're going to try to cover as much ground about all of it as we can. So I'll stop rambling now. Kelly, how the <laughs> heck are you? What can we get you for a cup of coffee? So maybe it's an unpopular answer, but I don't drink coffee. It's actually nothing more popular than that. you'd think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I'll take a good chai tea, you know, that actually means TT, super weird, but I'll take one of those or uh, those who know me, get me some Code Red Mountain Dew, remember back uh, when? Okay. 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 All right. We can, we can definitely we'll, scare that We'll up keep for that you. stocked in the fridge. Yeah. I, yeah I, I like me some Mountain Dew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know I talked a lot about your, kind of your career path a little bit already there, but you know, take us through what got you into veterinary medicine, some of the major stops along the way, some of what you're doing now, and then we'll jump off from there. I got into veterinary medicine very, very early. I was I was quite the horse kid, and I loved it so much. And I just volunteered um, with every vet that would let me near them, and did that <laughs> for ages and ages and ages, and. I will say that I originally wanted to go to vet school. Um, I did everything in my power. I did pre-vet. And unfortunately, organic chemistry was my downfall. 
especially with dyslexia. Just just could not make that work with um, RNS rotation of atoms. Um, and have you ever had something that just really stirred you up and you, you recognize that not getting what you want actually was the best thing that ever happened? Mm-hmm. It was 100% one of those things where after that, when I didn't get into vet school, I really knew that if I had gotten into vet school, I would have been a very small fish in a very big pond. But coming into the technical side of things, A, I got to do the things that I actually enjoyed, placing catheters, doing long lines, like all of the super cool, exotic things that we could do, and B... I got to be a big fish in kind of a smaller pond. I mean, you guys know that when we became ECC, um, there were only 317 of us at the time, I believe. Oh, really? So, Is that it? Mm-hmm. Yikes. And we're at like 580, 580 or something uh, like yeah, that we're, now? We're around I should, 600, I should know yeah. that number. <laughs> yeah, I should know that number too. I don't because I stopped counting after me. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, (laughs) no, it's just a situation where I think that we have so much of a bigger influence on the industry and we can do so much more in terms of mentorship and leadership for technicians than we ever could have if we had gone in and been a vet, you know, in a vet world. I think that there's just not that opportunity to really impact, impact those around us the way that we do. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I I feel like you know, my, my career path, you know, when I was young, w- was going to be a, a shortstop for the Red Sox, but that didn't, that didn't pan <laughs> out. Um, and then I had a, a ambitions to be a, a musician and same thing as you. I was a very, like in high school, I was the, I was the big fish in music. Yeah. But when I got into college, I was the tiniest fish in the biggest pond. And if I had gone forward with that, I, I probably would have struggled and probably would have burned out of that career. Not that I haven't burned out in this career many times, but, <laughs> but it, it, that, that, that would have changed my career path and probably changed who I am as a person. And I applaud you for like realizing that and saying, Oh, this is not the way I want to go. Cause I mean, think, think of the three of us as veterinarians, like we would be so different, right. Mm-hmm. Compared to what we are now. And sometimes the path chooses you and sometimes you choose the path, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like sometimes where you're going is not as important as like what you get to do. Gotcha. So I know we're going to talk a lot about a lot of the different things that you do, but like right now, what, what is your job? What is your role? <laughs> like, what, I guess, what do you do for like day to day work? On a day to day basis, I'm what's called an operations support manager, which means that I am a multi-site manager for 15 to 16, depending on how you cut them, um, specialty and emergency clinics. Okay. So dental clinics, internal medicine clinics, surgery clinics, and uh, ERs. And that is challenging and amazing and wonderful and a 24-7 job and also a little bit more manageable than being on the floor all the time. So I think that it's kind of a perfect path for me. Um, and I get to dabble in all things, right? I get to touch on marketing. I get to touch on uh, recruiting. I get to touch on on doctor retention. I get to touch on team retention. I get to touch on training programs. So kind of satisfies my need to have my hands in every pot. Um, and occasionally they let me throw in a catheter from 20 miles away. So like, <laughs> once in a while I get to play tech or I get to, you know, give a, give a lecture on something for them. And that's, that's an incredibly, um, 
humbling experience just because of the fact that they they trust me to you know to do some of those things even though i've been out of uh being on the floor for a while and like all of the education that you've gotten you know your mba and your master all, all of that like was that kind of geared with that in mind or were you kind of looking at that role and say this is what i need to do to make that happen or just two completely separate things well i don't know if you guys have gone through this but my transition to management was not a smooth one. Um, generally, they pick the best technician on the floor and say, hey, by the way, now you're a manager, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about this all the time. It's a very different skill set. And once I, once I got into that role, I really realized that like the places that I needed to actually shore up my skill set were not the technical ones. I was doing just fine technically. But I came into a management position where I was the youngest tech on staff. I was the newest tech on staff. I had come from a part-time position at that clinic. And everyone who was there, um, at least all of all of my long-term techs, had been there for nine, ten years. And so I had to really figure out like what that looked like. And when I figured out that I really liked and enjoyed being in that leadership role and that I could do a lot for my team and I could do a lot for my own career growth. I really thought to myself, hey, how do I bolster this? And one of the things that happened therein is our leader left. And in her leaving, you know, there that started a whole shift and a look for a new manager. And I was put up for that. And my boss said, hey, the only reason I chose this other candidate over you is because she has an MBA. And I thought to myself, well, maybe that's the role that I need to go. And, <laughs> and again, every once in a while, right, something happens that it absolutely had to happen to make you who you are. Having been turned down for that position gave me a mentor who not only introduced me to professional and human resources certification, but also introduced me to the, the world of the MBA and who gave me a lot of my professional chops in terms of what that looks like moving into that managerial role. And I really think that, you know, it was one of those really defining moments. In fact, I got so frustrated moving into a management role that I wrote a book in the middle because I just, I didn't see anything out there that really echoed veterinary medicine and what it felt like to be in between upper management and between, you know, those on the floor and, and how to really negotiate what that looks like. Now there's a lot of things out there, right? Amy Newfield writes one every couple months, right? <laughs> uh, and and she does such a great job. But back then there just wasn't anything available. Yeah. And so right. it was definitely a situation where I really had to look outside of veterinary medicine and a lot of it felt kind of inapplicable or not directly applicable. And so that was that was my whole role yeah. change and and why I looked at it. If I looked back on it, what I would tell people who are in a similar situation to myself is to maybe go for something that's a little bit more veterinary specific. The PHR is not something that's widely recognized in veterinary medicine. The MBA is not super widely recognized in veterinary medicine. If you are going to stay in vet med long term, think about a CVPM or something along those lines. I, I think we're kind of in that infant stage of, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in other businesses and other types of um, professions. Whereas in veterinary medicine, like, like you said, a lot of the stuff that, that we deal with is not being talked about or being, or books aren't being written about them until, until people like you and Amy Newfield start to write them. Yeah. Um, we we got to blaze your own path and, and 
because I, I think a lot of times we just wait for somebody to give us the guidance instead of just saying, okay, let's figure this out and do it ourselves. Because, um, I mean, we're technicians. That's what we, that's what we do. We figure it out. We do it ourselves. <laughs> we have to really give ourselves grace in that. Yeah. Right? Because there's going to be times when people love you. There's going to be times when they hate you. But the reality is, is that if you've got the best interest of your clinic on, on the top of your mind, like those are the things that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we always like to ask our guests and, and you are no exception to that. Where do you see the veterinary technician profession right now? Like what are things that are working? Uh, what are things that we need to work on? Uh, give, give us your thoughts on that. I think there's a lot of exciting things happening. I think one of the things that, you know, that came out of the veterinary nursing initiative, which I, I will say I was not super in favor of, is the idea that we needed to have more standardization, the idea that we needed to have more recognition, the idea that we needed to have that ability to do more in our roles. And the thing that came out of COVID is the fact that we just know that we're not replicating as fast as we need to be, right? Mm -hmm. We know that we just don't have enough of us and we know that we have to be able to do more. And so I think that the nice thing about both of those things is it's really opened up some conversations as to, hey, what does it look like for technicians who are up of the upper echelon and who are able to do a little bit more to help take some of the weight off of our doctors? And we have two different paths, I think, one of which, you know, in human medicine, we see the nurse practitioners versus the PAs, right? And in those two different paths, we see someone who's very, very specialized in the role that they do, kind of analogous to our VTSs who are able to do some of those really, really high level skills. And then in the, you know, in the human nursing realm, there's the nurse practitioners who do a lot of the basic items that are more urgent care related that are something that can come off of a physician's schedule. And so I think what we're starting to see now, which is really exciting, and maybe a little bit cart before their horse, but definitely focusing some of our energy is the idea of potentially having that nurse practitioner role that would be someone who is very savvy in the technical world, probably not a VTS, right? Because we want to do those upper level, very specialized skills, but maybe more along those lines of either a VTS in clinical practice or potentially a, a um, vet tech with with advanced licensing who could do some of those urgent care type of positions. We even saw, uh, I believe it was Arkansas that actually allowed for a role like this. I think that there's a lot more work to be done around it, but I love the idea that we're starting to look at how do we create sustainability in our field and what do we need to do in order to get there? And Hey, even if we're not there right now, you know, there's, there's a lot of, onus to put effort towards it, which I don't think we've ever seen before. I, I think some of that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, now we're seeing more technicians like us in VTSs that are in the field longer, like mm -hmm. 20, 30 years ago when the, you know, the lifespan of a technician was much shorter, there wasn't really that opportunity for doctors to have a trust with their technicians to do some of those things, because by the time they get to that level, they're gone. They, they just leave. So I, I think longevity and sustainability, I, I think, is something that, you know, if we ever want to get to this mid-level practitioner, we need to have people that are in the field longer to, to do those things, because otherwise they're, they're still, quote unquote, baby techs, which baby techs are not going to be that mid-level practitioner. They're just not going to be. Well, and I think, too, that 
you know, part of part of what we see a lot for attrition is we see that five to seven years, right? And then they're out. There's a couple of things that go into that. One is the fact that there's just not a sustainable wage bracket that follows them up. If we can provide something like a mid-level practitioner, that's going to help correct some of that wage bracket issue. But then also thinking in terms of, I don't know about you guys, but every time I got bored in veterinary medicine, I'd go and do something else, right? I, every time I got bored, I'd be like, Same. time to do a VTS. Mm-hmm. I got bored again. Time to do an MBA. Got bored again. Time to do a PHR. Every time that I got a little bit bored in veterinary medicine, I would stretch in some way. And the more ways that we give opportunities to stretch, the more that we're going to have some longevity because nursing gives lots of opportunities to stretch. And a lot of them are recognized opportunities to stretch. I've I've always said that the, and I I give, I give, I give this talk in my, um, I forget what lecture it is, but go find a different department to work in that those are the people that are going to be more engaged instead of doing the same mundane thing over and over again. Um, right. And I, I like the term stretch because you're, you're not, you're not, you're not leaving your, your, your role, you're stretching it and you're, you're, you're gaining more experience as opposed to just up and leaving and going to do something different. You're, you're actually staying within that same realm. That's a good way of putting it. I really like that. You know, Angel Rivera, (laughs) when I first started, like one million years ago, said, be the dumbest person in the room. And he really meant that if you don't put yourself in a place where you have an opportunity to grow, you're going to get stagnant, right? Mm. So always frame that as, hey, I, I don't feel like I'm quite adequate to be in this room, or I don't feel like I'm adequate to lecture in this place, or whatever that imposter syndrome is screaming at you, and reframe it as, I am going to choose to focus my energy at becoming better at this. And I'm going to put myself in a place that stretches me in Mm. order to do that. And I I love that idea of constantly moving towards something bigger, something better and something that is, you know, is going to make you proud of yourself. I've, I've heard that phrase kind of not to that extreme. I've heard that you never want to be the smartest person in the room, but I've never seen it go to the extreme of you want to be the dumbest person in the room. (laughs) (laughs) I think at the time I resonated with it because I was the dumbest person in that room. Well, and, and you're you're standing no next chance. to you're standing next to him, who's like this celebrated, decorated technician. Of, of course, you're gonna feel like the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start first with CE on the Sea and Vet Tech Life. Um, since that just happened, um, you guys, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm back on the 26th and this is Monday the 29th. Do I have that about right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So um, I was fortunate enough to to speak on CE on the Sea. It's a wonderful event. I would love to do it again in the, in the near future. But I want to know, like, um, what does it look like for our caffeinators that aren't familiar with it? Um, how many people go, like, where do we go for more info? How do they find out about it? Take take some time and talk about that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So Vet Tech Life CE on the Sea, we are 
we just completed our sixth sailing, so almost annual. We had a couple years there where we shut down because of COVID. Yeah. But I will say that we're back with full force. We have about 100 to 130 people go, so very small crew. Um, and that's just limited by the amount of CE space that's available to us. Yeah. So we actually run two different tracks um, simultaneously for most of our cruises. This next one is going to be a little bit smaller, so it's going to be one track each day. We do those tracks, actually, when we're out to sea. So, yes, we have some folks who alternate one hour of pool time, one hour of CE. <laughs> we, do not, we do not shame anyone who wants to spend a little time in the sun, but it's quite a bit of fun. We get only the best speakers, and right now we really do put an emphasis on CE by technicians for technicians, so really looking for those VTS level of technicians to, to speak. And we have them speak from anything from dental disease to neuro disease, ER, anesthesia, you know, general practice, hematology, like you name it. We have a lot of different, you know, different um, tracks that we actually put out there. Generally, anesthesia and and or ER are two of the big ones that we try and hit. Um, this next year, I can't announce the names of our speakers yet, but I will tell you that I got some heavy hitters coming on. Very, nice. very excited for what that looks like. And um, Jeff, I hate to say this, but there were some requests for you, so you're going to have to submit again. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, but what else? What I'll also say is that. It is a fun CE. So it is not a cold conference room where you're sitting around like shivering to death, eating a cold buffet, you know, in your business casual. It's nothing like that. It is um, a very informal CE. Everybody has fun. Leslie Wereshek was calling for Jack, you know, clearly a Titanic reference here and there. And it was just, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's a really good, nice way to actually have a conference where you feel like you connect with everyone who went. There are people exchanging emails. There are people exchanging Facebook friends, friendships. There are, you know, there are people who've never met before, but are now fast friends and planning their next trips. So yeah, it, it becomes quite the thing. Plus everyone sits together. And so I don't know if you've ever had this situation where you've gone out to dinner after a CE event and like you get the shame from discussing anal glands. There is no shame at dinner. You can discuss disgusting things to your heart's content. Everyone understands. It's great. Jeff, that's maybe you and I should both submit to speak and then we can record an episode out there on, on, on the ocean. That would be, oh that would be fun to do. Pretty incredible. That, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be pretty awesome. Are there also DVM speakers or is it primarily technician speakers? So we've had DVM speakers in the past. I think that one of the things that I've, so prior to um, this past year, actually Vet Tech Life was started by Moira and Casey, Moira Fitzgerald and Casey Davis, both of whom are just epic and amazing. And I can't believe that they entrusted me with their baby, but um, you know, it's been around for a solid 20 years now and in the past, we did have a lot of DVM speakers. We have now kind of made a conscious effort to try and pair to the VTSs so that it is 100% geared. Now, we do have quite a few DVMs who still go on these, and no shame in that game either. We make yeah. sure that the race applies to everyone. And beyond that, I, I will say that one of the DVMs who attended 
was the most engaged person on that ship. So, you know, you're you're absolutely welcome to come if you're unlicensed, if you're a DVM, if you're a tech, but we are aiming a little bit more towards having the VTS to speak. Now, every once in a while somebody jumps out with a really amazing topic. So I won't say I won't say no. Um and I will say like anyone is a uh, invited to apply to speak, but we will be aiming more towards that BTS crowd. Awesome. Gotcha. And from what I can recall when I did it, it was, and I think you've kind of alluded to this already. So the, the CE days are basically the travel days, right? Like, so yeah. where mm-hmm. you're going from port to port and then the days you're in port are days off to go have fun and do excursions or sit by the pool or whatever it is. Yeah. And so, you know, on a four or five day cruise, it's what, like two days of CE? It's two days of CE and then two days on shore. And we generally stick to that timeline. For example, this last one, we stopped in Jamaica and Haiti. Um, everyone spent, you know, spent a day doing things like doing a jungle uh, river tubing cruise, which was amazing, or going horseback riding, or going and meeting dolphins, or um, somebody went scuba diving, somebody went snorkeling. Like, there's lots of different options as to different things that you can do, or you can beach vomit. I will say the second day in in Haiti, we just sat on a hammock in the water and watched the sun dip, and it was pine, pina colada. <laughs> is what it was. It was pina colada bliss. From what I understand, you're you're not like overtaking the entire cruise ship. Like it's a cruise ship that goes out, and you guys just have rooms and and you rent space for to give the CE, right? You're not correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and so uh, the 2025. Um, mm-hmm. Do we have dates? Do we have any info you can? I know you can't reveal speakers and all that. You got to do, but like, what can you tell us about it currently? Absolutely. So we are currently working through the speakers. They just have to uh, agree, and then we're off to the races. And uh, we are going from January 12th through the 15th. Okay. Is that correct? 12th through the 17th. Sorry. Okay. 12th through the 17th. We're going to Cozumel and Costa Maya. Mm-hmm. And this is a repeat of one that we had done, I want to say back in 2018 or 2017. So we've seen these ports before and they are pretty epic. I, um, I, there are lots of things to do. The one I was on was Cozumel and I don't remember what the second stop was, but yeah, it was, it was a time. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been looking forward to doing it again. And this just with a toddler, I got to figure out logistically how to make that work. <laughs> well, and, you know, there's like, there's so many ways to make it kind of your own thing. We had some folks who were vegans on board. We had some folks who may or may not have ordered double entrees. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, there, there's yeah. a lot of ways to make that cruise. Like, a lot really of personalization. A ton of folks who got massages and, you know, like, there's just, yes, you can, you can really doze it up. It yeah. sounds like a, I, I've never been on a cruise. It sounds like a, it sounds like a fantastic time and, and sun in January. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what more do you need? Right. <laughs> well, and I will say that there's only a hundred spots total and we're booking okay. up pretty fast. So that's, okay. that's the one kicker is that I'd love to say it's we very have limited, space, but we just don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's is fair. that limited based on the reservations that you can get on, on the ship itself? So it's actually limited based on how many people we can fit in the conference rooms. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And you would be amazed at how hard it is to get conference space on these cruises. 
So hmm. I think that we're probably going to be, you know, one of the very few cruises out there and, and certainly the only ones that are targeting for technicians. So yeah. definitely, definitely kind of a one of a kind event and we're loving it so far. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. awesome. That's awesome. Uh, why don't we take our break here? We'll, we'll pay some bills and we'll be back right after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. Caffeinators, at the Vet Tech Cafe, you know we like to focus on mental health. If you're struggling with depression, burnout, compassion fatigue, or any of the other mental health challenges we discuss on our podcast, getting professional help is a great first step. We all need help with things like learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries, which empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major mental health challenges. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Dave, I've used BetterHelp. Um, I had really good success with it. I really liked that it was entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. They really make it easy for you to get the help you need. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash VetTechCafe. It's time to invest in yourself. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, the only cafe that is serving pina coladas by the beach. Mm. Um, Kelly, we like to ask our guests after the break how they manage your own mental health. It seems like you have a lot of... Uh, things going on and I can't even imagine the stress of trying to organize a conference on a cruise ship. Uh, so how do you manage your own mental health? I think the biggest thing that I like to do every year is realign my priorities. And if you have your priorities in line, like it's a lot easier to make sure that you're paying homage to the things that are your priorities. So one of the biggest priorities in my life is family. And then second is travel. And so I just make sure that I am continually looking at the different things that come up in my life that I could be doing and saying, does this align with my two priorities? And if it doesn't, you know, then I think twice about it. And I, I really have gotten to the point where, and I, I don't know if I'm the greatest at it because I am still type A and I still am like trying to answer all the emails and all that kind of stuff. But I really am getting better and better at saying, Hey, is this actually serving what I need out of it, or is this just noise? Um, and I will say that, you know, for example, you know, my day job, I love my day job and it absolutely supports my family. So that is something that gets a lot of time and attention. My, my speaking and the vacation home rentals and all those kinds of things support my love of travel. And those really allow us to do, you know, a fair bit of traveling. So those two things um, are things that I put towards the forefront. Things that, for example, you know, I, I don't stress as much that my house is not as clean as I would like it to be. There, There's an opportunity for cleanliness in this house that I, I just don't know how to really make that okay. But it's okay. You know, it'll be there tomorrow. I'll spend the weekend doing it. It'll 
it'll be fine. Those types of things I don't allow to hit my stress line. I, I, I like, I'm a big to-do list person. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I always make an effort to try and put things at the top of my to-do list that are self-care items. Yeah. Uh, like, like running is, is at the top of every day. Um, a thousand miles, Dave. Because you, you miles. and I get a thousand miles to do. I, I just passed 91 miles today um, uh, with, with a run I did this afternoon. So yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you on, on making sure that those priorities are, are kind of at the top of your list because I mean, stuff pops up for me all the time of like, Oh, do you like, do you want to teach at this vet tech program? Mm, no, I mean, I don't. yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I do. Yes. But do I have right, time? For right. Right. I yeah. don't. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the hard part. The, the saying no. And like, this is actually a really cool opportunity, but right now it's just not the time. Does it, does it fit? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I will say too, that here, I like to say that delegation is love. If you don't, delegate out, someone doesn't have an opportunity to do something. And so I get a fair number of asks that I'm like, wow, I just don't have the time. I don't have the bandwidth. I I don't have the desire to do this. This is not within my wheelhouse. Here's the thing. Delegation is love, right? So I bet you there's 12 different people who would love that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think that we do as much service to that opportunity if we find someone who can own it, who can love it, and who can do it as we do stretching ourselves potentially too thin and therefore not having, you know, the bandwidth to give to that item. Yeah. So let's talk about success, success strategies, veterinary consulting. What is it? What services do you offer? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So that and vet tech life feed into each other just a little bit, but success strategies is really my platform for any online education. So we have on-demand training programs, on-demand leadership. Um, it has a, a, a internet copy of my book if you don't want to do the normal, you know, in your hand type of book. Um, just lots of different training and speaking resources that run through success strategies. And it's been kind of my labor of love even prior to that tech life coming into it. But they, they do feed on each other a little bit. And currently, I'm working on getting another book published. Uh, 20 years in veterinary medicine has left me with just tons and tons of really good stories. So that one will be coming out soon. I just have it in an editor's hands right now called Why We Pet Puppies. I like it. Just a little bit of, you know, fun to be had, a little bit of cry, a little bit of all of the above, and uh, hopefully entertaining for everyone. Awesome. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. Let us know, and we will uh, we will like it. And yes, share all, it and all of your help, links. Help get, send send help, that to help, us. Help, so. help to get the word out. Um, we, you you spoke earlier, and I know a lot of what you do lecture wise and, and teaching wise is, is on management. And you talked earlier about the transition, and we've we've talked to a number of people, Dave, on this podcast. And, and as you said earlier, it's like it's whoever is been there the longest is the default supervisor or manager. So you did the opposite. (laughs) I I did the opposite. Yeah. Um, Thinking about that for a moment, like what recommendations do you have for someone? But also the other part to that for me is what if it's in an operation that is frankly, just not going to provide the resources, you know, like I I feel like we're, we're made supervisors, we're made managers, we just do it, but like, there's no checks and balances. There's no additional training. There's no, and my wife is going through that now as a veterinarian and transitioning to medical director and she's gotten zero. Um, and so I, I like talk about that a little bit. Cause that's a, that's a really 
big, big problem in our industry. I feel that kind of inherently. And actually, I had felt that inherently you all the way back to, um, you know, when I first started with NBA ethos. And um, I was actually, you know, privileged enough to put together with another OSM of, of ours, um, a program called Aspiring Leaders that actually is that bridging of the gap. So it's really meant for team members who are um, one rung down from a hospital manager. So really those folks who maybe have never had an opportunity to hire someone or let someone go or do a performance review. And actually I, I created that for, for ethos, but we also have one on success strategies that's all about leadership. And currently VSPN is just about ready to open a tech to tech supervisor course that really does support that kind of bridge the gap type of knowledge. But I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is that you just have to really think about giving yourself grace. Any new skill is something that you're going to suck at first. Like, don't be afraid to suck at the start. And when you get to that point of elevating into that management role, you have to really think about giving yourself that grace of, hey, I just placed my first catheter. If you don't give yourself as much grace learning how to be a leader as you did the first catheter you placed, you're just not doing yourself a good service. And how, how do we get, I'm sure, I'm sure this is a long involved answer, but how do we get more (laughs) technicians and how do we get more people to get into this role the right way? You know, like we said, we said oftentimes it's, it's just the default. You've been here the longest. Here you go. How do we get people excited to do that? And want that job. That that's a terrible way of coming into it, right? You've been there the longest. You have that rapport built with your team. You have an opportunity, actually, to really do good for your team. You're going to care the most about it. So I don't think that that's a terrible way to come into that management role. It's really a matter of how how do we identify the folks who really want to do it? I think one of the things that is great about management and is tough about management is management is one of those things where you can, if you desire to go into leadership, really reach out to whoever is in front of you and say, Hey, this is something that I want to do. People are very shy about that, but really it gives you an opportunity not only to get kind of a, a try before you buy as they give you more and more things to do, But it also gives you that person who's in your corner coming into that role. And I think a lot of times people are very shy about doing that because of the fact that they're worried about, hey, stepping on this other person's toes. If you reach out to someone and say, hey, you're where I want to be, and that person doesn't help you, that person holds you back, you don't want them mentoring you. Maybe that's not the right place for you. There's a million different things that are going on there. But I will tell you that in all of my years in veterinary medicine, I've never had a situation where I've reached out to someone and said, I would like to be where you're at, that that person didn't say, this is how you do it. So I think I think part of that is just self-ownership, right? Looking at yourself and saying, hey, are these things that I really want to do? Some of this is making sure that we as management really look for those folks who have that self-ownership. And I'll tell you straight up, that's a conversation that I have during every review is, where do you want to go from here? That's a conversation that I have during every interview. I have a really controversial slide in just about every one of my technician utilization um, lectures that says, I don't hire VAs or CSRs. 
and like everyone gets up in arms. What do you mean you don't hire VAs and CSRs? Well, I hire people who will roll into that VA or CSR role, but if I'm going to put the time, the effort, and the ex- experience into that person, I'm really hiring someone who not only wants to be a VA or a CSR, but also potentially wants to look into tech school, potentially wants to look into getting their license, potentially wants to look into being a VTS. So I'm going to reserve any role that I have in my practice for someone who has that upward mobility desires. So you're saying you don't want to hire somebody that that takes that job as their ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I get that. It's not a great ceiling, right? Right. There's a million other jobs that pay better. There's a million other jobs that are more respect. And so it's one of those situations where I think we get a little nervous that, hey, if I take all these people out of my VA CSR role and push them into the, the next role up, that we're not going to have enough people to fill those. But those are places where people can really get that knowledge and cut their teeth a little bit. Uh, let's talk about something that I I, I need help with. Um, let's talk about financial fitness. We're, we're coming up on that time of the year where my financial headache, my, my stress level goes way up. Um, yep. Talk about financial fitness. It's something that you talk about a lot. You, you, I've, I've seen that you give lectures on that. Um, what is it? Uh, why is it important for veterinary te- technicians? And how can you relieve the stress that I have January through April? <laughs> Well, I don't know if I can speak much to your January through April stress. I think everyone still has that tax stress. But what I will say is that financial fitness is really just thinking about our lives in a way that we think about our professional lives, right? When we look at our professional lives, we look at the places where potentially we don't do as well and we fix them, right? I don't place catheters all that great. I'm going to learn how to place catheters better. I'm going to I'm going to develop that skill. Financial fitness is really about developing the skill of personal finance so that you can make sure that you have sustainability, that you can make sure that you have an ability to actually retire. I'm going to give you an example. For most of us in veterinary medicine, I'm going to say the vast, vast majority of people in in a technical role and maybe a VA role and a CSR role as well, for most of us, giving 2% to our 401k does not take a dime out of our pocket. The only thing that it does is pulls off of our overall tax burden, and it actually might make us more money in our pocket going home. Now, you have to do a payroll calculator to confirm that. I really, I always tell people, don't take anyone's word for it. Go and do your own research. Do your payroll calculator. But I'll tell you that just about every payroll system that you have out there, ADP, Um, Dayforce, any of those, have a payroll calculator, or you can find a million of them online. There's all kinds of great ones. But when you do that, I will put so much money and one of uh, Jeff's very famous Apple pot. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He has amazing moonshine. But um, when you're doing that, I will put money on the fact that you will actually not pay a dime into that, that that'll come off of your taxes for the first 2% that you're putting into your retirement account. Now, the other thing with that is it's not so much the amount that you're putting in there. I will tell you straight up that I, for vast majority of my career, made $10 to $15 an hour, right? I broke $15 an hour as, as a tech manager. And so for the vast majority of my career, $10 to $15 an hour. And 
I, in fact, I remember my first actual paying technical job was for $9 and 10 cents an hour. Right. And when I look at that, you know, I could have said, gosh, I don't make hardly anything. I can't put anything away. But what I, what I really did is I gamified my life a little bit and maybe lived a little bit uncomfortably in order to make sure that I had a little bit extra. And I did whatever I could, whatever amount that I got to raise, instead of elevating my lifestyle, I put that into my 401k. And here's the thing. It's not the fact that I got a 15 cent raise, right? That 15 cents per hour over the whole course of my, um, you know, my time contributing to that 401k has now led for me to have a pretty good nest egg in my 401k. And here's the other thing with that, that 401k can double as a couple different things. First off, it's a tax shelter. All of that money goes untaxed. So you're effectively lowering your tax burden. Second off, it is absolutely the way to retirement. And third off, that 401k can actually be a place where you can go in times of emergency. So you can borrow from your 401k, not take out, but borrow from your 401k for a lot of the 401ks out there. And that can be a way to get through some tough times, things like that. I, I really like to think about the fact that once it's in my 401k and, and make sure that it's automated, once it's there, I don't touch it. But those things can really be such a difference between living paycheck to paycheck versus not. And here's the thing. I, I talk to so many technicians that are like, oh, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I can't put anything in my 401k. Remember, first 2% is effectively free, right? So that 2% can be going into your pocket elsewhere instead of the government's pocket. And then just thinking in terms of, hey, how do I play with my life? So a lot of people say, gosh, on a technician's wage, there's no way that I can afford a house. Well, what I'll say is that think in terms of potentially doing something like an FHA loan where maybe you have a two, um, you know, a, a duplex or something along those lines and think about having whomever is renting that second space actually help you afford your mortgage or think about whoever is renting that second space, some of that mortgage money or that uh, rental money that's going to go towards your mortgage is actually something that can help you qualify for that FHA loan. So there's lots of things out there. It's just thinking a tiny bit smarter to get just a tiny bit better. And, you know, we do this in our personal lives when we work out. We do this in our professional lives all the time. We need to do it for our financial lives. That, that was... <laughs> I don't know if that relieved my stress or just gave me more projects to do that are going to make me more stressful. Um, is is that is that um, uh, is that somewhere like spelled out? <laughs> like, so, do you have like a, a book or something that we can there we can are promote? So many books. There are so many books, but I think one of the things that I really really love is that the folks who are in financial independence really want everyone else to be in financial independence too. And here's the thing, there is a, a start to finish financial education on a website called ChooseFI, okay. ChooseFI.com. Um, they have 2 million some followers and they have a financial education that's completely free. And it's a great place to start because it gives you just some of those pillars and how to work towards the pillars. And it is not one of those places where everyone makes $300,000 a year. And of course, they're going to get to financial independence. <laughs> It is definitely, I mean, I was a guest on there. Um, 
I've been listening to it since 2000. I was going to say, yeah, they have a podcast. I'm, I'm Googling as we speak. Dave's <laughs> already doing the research. I'm already doing the research here. They have a great podcast. I will say that I, I listened to Brad for the entire time that he's been on a podcast. And there are some life-changing things. I will tell you, you know, travel hacking is is something that we regularly practice. And it's part of what actually makes us able to do the vacation rental properties that we have. And that is just entailing, um, you know, using opening credit card points in order to get free travel. And there's just so many things out there. It's all about thinking a tiny bit smarter, right? Hmm. You really like having a gym membership. You really cannot afford your gym membership. Well, can you get qualified as an instructor or can you get a part-time job where you're working five hours a week at a gym in order to get a free gym membership? There's ways to make everything just a little bit easier for you. You know, you talked a lot about the 401k and, and I think back to when I started in 1995, like unless you were perhaps in academia, there really, I mean, that was even really before BCA was a big thing. There just wasn't corporate medicine then. Like it was all, you know, single doctor, multi-doctor, private practices. 401k, I feel like didn't even come to pass really in veterinary medicine until for the most part, probably till like the last 10 years or so when the corporatization really began to take hold. But I mean, I will say that's one thing they probably have going for them is that most of them do have this set up, whereas like maybe a lot of private practices still don't. And like if you're at a hospital where it's not like offered, figure out how to do it because it's it, it really is. I, I didn't have one until I started working at Tufts. Actually, I had one like the last year I was in private practice before I went to Tufts. But then at Tufts, we had 401, we had 401A and 403B that we contributed to. And, and just in four years, I was blown away at like what got contributed, what the university put in. And like you were saying, like literally, I didn't feel any difference. And if there's a match, that's the quickest way yes. to actually get a raise. Right. If you're disappointed by your race, but you're not using your employer match, you are just not taking advantage. And here that match is actually worth more than the two percent that it actually is because it's non-taxed. Yeah. The other thing to think about, guys, is I actually had the opposite um, opposite experience, Jeff. I had better 401ks pre-corporate with individual mm. employers. Interesting. Now. If you ever have a situation, uh, listeners out there, where you have a private employer and you don't have a 401k match, talk to me. Just message me on something, right? At Facebook, my email, I don't care. Message me because there are ways to talk to your employer using what's called the WIFM principle, what's in it for me, to actually allow that employer to see how great having a 401k is because it is a yeah. huge tax advantage to them and you. And it's a great way to get and retain talents. And beyond that, it's just a, a really phenomenal way of making sure that you take care of the people who are taking care of your business. Yeah, I, I think back to to that time, like I was young, you know, 18, 21, 25, whatever. Like all I cared about was the, the dollars on my paycheck and yeah. putting it on red at the roulette table in Vegas. Like that's <laughs> that, that, that was, that was it. Like plan. I didn't care. I didn't care about retirement. I mean, I didn't, wasn't even getting health insurance then. I was still on my parents' plan. But like, you know, but at some point you shift, right? Like you, you kind of mature, you grow up, we whatever it is, or you get in a job that finally offers those things. But like you, tr 
truly, I feel like for young technicians in this field, they can be so much further ahead with that than where so many of us were for so long because it, it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And it's, it's a huge opportunity. And the reality is, is that it's not the amount you put in, it's the time that it sits. Right, yeah. Because honestly, if you put in a dollar and you let it sit for 10 years, you get $2. But if you put in a dollar fifty and you only let it sit for two years, you have a dollar seventy-two. So when you think about those things, you you have to think about, gosh, what what can I do that's going to benefit me long term? And if you can let your money go into a, an investment account, like a whole market account or a, a qualified investment account, that money, as long as it's you know evened out across across the the market, is going to grow at roughly eight percent. It's going to roughly double every ten years. That's hugely impactful. Right. That's that's a way to double your money. But you need the time. You need the time more than you need the big bucks. And here's the other thing I'll tell you is if you guys can think about this, if you can put in your two percent to start. Right. Once you got that two percent in there, think every time you get a raise about putting an additional one percent, like all of a sudden you are getting closer and closer and closer and closer to actually maxing out the amount that you can put in there. And here's the other piece to that, right, is that then you can start looking at other investments because you've already trained yourself to put a certain amount away automatically. And there's a huge, huge boon to doing things automatically because all of a sudden that money is not there for DoorDash. It's, you know, it's going to keep you maybe eating healthier and maybe, you know, <laughs> not getting McDonald's delivered to your car every day, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and it's really does help you align to the things that you actually care about. Because I don't think any of us, when we sit down for our yearly plan of, hey, these are the most important things to me, put fast food on there. And if you do, like power to you. And there's a gal in financial independence called Paula Pant who says you can afford anything. You just can't afford everything. Mm. If travel is what makes your life go around, if coffee is what makes your life go around. You can afford those things, but you have to think about where you're going to put your effort and the money that you make in order to best impact your life. Um, well, I know we're kind of getting out of time, but I have one more question because <laughs> you, you've you mentioned vacation rentals a few times and we've talked to so many people on this podcast who have side hustles, but I think for so many of us, our side hustles are still in veterinary medicine. We take yep. up more of our free time yep. with more yep. veterinary medicine. Yep. This is something completely unrelated. Uh, so you uh, you do some vacation rentals, and I'll let you kind of explain where they are because the ones I see that you post on Facebook, like they're amazing places. Talk about that, like how you got started in that, what you do, and all that. Yeah. So similar to falling into veterinary medicine, I fell into vacation rentals. Um, I had a house in New Mexico that I bought kind of out of the out of the normal realm of buying houses. It was on a land lease. So I, I leased the land from the Indians and um, the Santa Domingo Pueblo, you know, leased it for 100 years. And I every month I would pay them. And it makes it very, very difficult to sell that. And so instead of selling it, I started renting it out. And I realized in renting it out, that I had a lot of money going towards my overall principal. I had the, you know, the growth in what that house was actually worth. 
Plus I had some tax advantages. And when I realized all of those things, I thought to myself, my goodness, this is something that I could, this is something I could do over again. And so when it came time, uh, you know, I purchased a house in Wisconsin, but I purchased a house with multiple sections so that I could go ahead and rent out sections and have someone else effectively pay my mortgage. And, you know, between our two renters, you know, the, the mortgage is completely covered in this house in Wisconsin. It's a 5,500 square foot, beautiful, you know, 100 year old house with gorgeous woodwork. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a great house. And to to have the the extra funds of not having to pay a mortgage because all of that's covered by my renters is just hugely, hugely impactful. And then, you know, in looking at that, I, you know, I saw what that midterm rental was doing for us because we rented to um, nurses and things like that. And I really got the the bug to have places in other places, you know, some place to get away in the wintertime because Wisconsin is cold, even though it's beer and cheese and Packers, it's cold. So um, the next place that we found, we we found a beautiful little house and um, down in Vieques, Puerto Rico. And being a technician, I don't have a lot of cash. So I used what little I had saved up and um, talked to the owner about doing something called owner financing, just again, thinking outside the box um, so that I could have yet another uh, house that I was paying against and I could rent it out to actually pay that mortgage. And um, and then I found a little place in Utah Um Long story short, we weren't able to keep that one, but it was just a little 250 tiny square foot tiny house um, with big, huge views. And uh, and then we found the place in Alaska, which is a, a dome house with a beautiful lofted bedroom with 360 degree windows where you can just lay in bed and watch the northern lights or sit at the, you know, at the kitchen counter making your dinner and watch the moose walk through our wildflower yard. Like it's just a pretty incredible place and it's next to the number one salmon fishing river in the, in the world effectively. And there's, uh, there's things like Pika's not too far away. If you haven't ever seen a Pika veterinary medicine people, you have to look them up. They're pretty amazing. They're like REOSs from the, the Princess, <laughs> the Bride. Princess Bride. They're cute and they just wander around collecting flowers. Um, just incredible, incredible places. And we, we fell in love with each and every one. And now we're working on a glamp ground in Wisconsin. We have 80 acres in Lady Smith, Wisconsin, which will have some converted school buses, some uh, bell tents and some tree houses and a little river house that'll sit over the river. Well, uh, none of those sound like they're near a baseball stadium though, Jeff. So I, I think we're my house is near the baseball stadium, Jeff. So okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And, it's walking, and, and, and walking distance to the Brewers. Okay, and frankly, that's a lot closer to Lambeau Field than I am right now. <laughs> there you go. There I didn't go. make it. I didn't make it to a game this year, but I already told my wife, "Come hell or high water, next year I will be." Nice. Yeah. We're fully supportive of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we're getting done with our hour here, um, is there anything that in your vast bio that we have not? touched on or anything else you wanted to get out to our listeners? No, I mean, I think you guys have crossed all of the, <laughs> all <laughs> checked up all the boxes I have in my background, but I, I super appreciate all the time and man, it's just been so fun talking to you guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anybody that you think would be a good guest that we should reach out to for a future episode or a topic that you think we haven't touched on yet that we should? That's a tough question because you've had some of the goats on there, right? <laughs> like, am I using that term correctly, right? Yeah, you are. You are. Yep. and Darcy and mm-hmm. Adrian and Liz Houston. Like, you've had the good guys. But yeah. I think that there might be just a little bit of gas left in the tank. I didn't see Alyssa Majus. Yes, she, we did. We, she has been on. We did, actually. Okay. Yeah. It was couple just years, last it's been year. a couple years. Was it last year? No. Yvonne Brandenburg. Internal medicine for vet tech. So we had them both on. We, we did like we a collab. Ha- yeah, we got like a collab episode with them, like kind of back All and right. forth. Like they started like right about the same time we did. Yeah. And we bounced yeah. a lot of ideas back and forth. Okay. Like they're they're kind of our podcast sisters. They're our sister, and, and yeah. Yeah, we've, yeah, so we've done some back and forth fun stuff with them for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I have one more. If okay. you haven't heard of her before, Renit, Renit Berdego is a veterinarian. Um, who actually does something called Vet Holidays. And her CEs are all about rest, relaxation, and mental health, and it seemed right up your yeah. So yeah. that might be another one for you. Yes, yes. send yes, us we some will. contact info. We'll, yeah. we'll get that in touch with do. her. That would be that great. Do. We had a good conversation about all things amazing veterinary holidays. Love nice. it. Nice. All right, Kelly, we are down to your would you rather question. I've got some off the wall ones for you. So uh, okay, I love it. Either one, two or three. Which one do you want? Two. Two. All right. Would you rather have an itch you cannot get rid of for the rest of your life or hiccups for the rest of your life? Neither is going to deteriorate your health. They're just really, really annoying. Hiccups all the way. Oh, really? Be ter- yes. Yes. Uh, for sure. Uh, Wouldn't that I feel like... like- I feel like I could sleep with an itch, but I couldn't sleep yeah. with the hiccups. Yeah. Oh, I could sleep through the hiccups. Or or sure. I'd aspirate if I was trying to. <laughs> I figured I, I would just constantly be 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 scratchy. Yeah. I do be- just enough traveling that, especially if it was in a place that I couldn't get to, like if mm. my partner wasn't there yeah. to like yeah. do his like that one spot in your back or like yeah. Or like you have your shoe, it's like always the bottom of your foot, you know, like just, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I guess maybe, maybe, if, maybe I'd have to be able to pick the location of the itch. Also think about <laughs> this, you guys, like that person who is constantly itching in front of you, you're kind of like, oh my goodness, does that person have bed bugs? Whereas yeah. someone who has the hiccups, like that doesn't seem quite But nonstop hiccups? Yeah, 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 you're right. Well, I, I would be, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be fearful to be around the person with hiccups as I would right. a constant scratcher. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine just being in, in lecture, like <laughs> all three of us are speakers. Can you imagine speaking where the person in the front row is constantly hiccuping or trying Can to speak? If you're, or try, yeah. 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 <laughs> or speaker with a constant itch. <laughs> oh, neither one oh, is good. Oh gosh. Oh, this, oh boy. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for taking some time out and, and coming to talk to us about all this stuff. We really, really appreciate it. Because um, I, I, and we're I sorry mean, it took so long to get you on. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and I know, like, financial conversations are difficult, especially for people in this field, and financial independence yeah. for people in this field is is really, really difficult to achieve. And but also, I feel like so many people are just like. I'll never get there. So I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to like work at it. And, and and like there, there are tangible solutions here and, and it's just, just like anything else, you got to put in the work and you got to look at it and, and analyze things and you got to get a little bit uncomfortable, 
to get more comfortable with it. So I, I really, really, really appreciate hearing all that. And just one take home on that. Most of my wealth was established prior to, like most of my net worth was established prior to me coming into a managerial job. Hmm. People need to think about the fact that it it really is the power of money sitting yeah. and being well invested. It is yeah. not like you're never going to work your way out of something. You have to really allow your money to work for you. Yeah. Pay absolutely. yourself first. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's great to put money in a savings account, but it does nothing compared to what it does if you put that same 2% in a 401k. Like, and here's the other thing. I think a lot of people are really intimidated by the idea of, of figuring out what to invest it in, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Oh, yeah. If you put your money into a 401k, A, there is someone who's an advisor to that 401k who can walk you through it. B, most clinics have an EAP. In that EAP is oftentimes a fiduciary advisory. So use them. They can help you work out a budget. They can help you yeah. all the things. Use your resources. We say it all the time. Use the resources. Use every benefit available to you. Absolutely. Correct. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, uh, Kelly. It was great to see you. Great to chat. Um, Caffeinators, thanks again for tuning in to another awesome episode. We hope you guys are well, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, Caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website, www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.